It's sure good to see everybody today. I feel really good. Amen. Now, I will say this in the outset of this message, that as a pastor, I want to preach directly to you. The reason that I say that is because I've been to a lot of church services where the message was good, but I just didn't feel like it was right where I live. And so as a young man, I began to commit myself to preaching messages that convict the hearts of the people. Because if conviction is not here, we have failed our assignment. But conviction does not come just because a pastor preaches. It comes because it's received. So I today would hope that you will receive what I want to and what I feel is the, the will of God to speak here today. I hope that you will receive it and that when I preach it that God convicts you. Amen. Now, I do want your undivided attention. Amen. Amen. That's okay. Let's just take a couple moments here. Amen. I want to talk to you from this title, Lost in Dirt. Lost in in dirt. There was a parable that Jesus would tell, and he was trying to make it very clear in this story how that you never go too far where God doesn't pick you back up out of where you are. It talks about a prodigal son he came to his father and he said, Dad, I want my inheritance. For whatever reason, that boy felt like he was entitled to it right now. It wasn't so much that it didn't belong to him, but it was the wrong timing. Because the father couldn't give him his inheritance or shouldn't have given him his inheritance until he was old enough to know how to use it. But what's interesting in the story is that you don't find in this story that his father was willing to advise him against taking that inheritance. As a child, this should have been a conversation that his dad had, had with him a long time before this moment. And so he takes all that money that he was given that should have been for his future and he goes and he joins himself as a citizen to the country that he had gone to and begins to spend that money, the Bible says, on riotous living. He was spending the money that should have been for his future and for his family on things that just didn't matter. So he begins to spend the money on things that didn't have any value. He was partying with his friends. He was giving money to them because as long as he gave the money to them, they were friends to him and... So he had a crowd around him at all times. But now that he ran out of that money and he could no longer party with it and no longer buy the things that he wanted to buy, he found himself with no money and no friends. And he found a job, a job simply feeding the swine. 
So now he's feeding the swine. And as he's feeding the swine, he's hungry himself. And he realizes that he's eaten the husks that were to be given to the swine. And here he is sitting in the middle of the dirt. Lost from his father's house. Lost in dismay, confused, and broke. Until now, he comes to this conclusion, and only when he was sitting there while the swine were all around him and he's sitting there in the dirt and the mud, he simply realizes that my father's servants have it better than I do right here. So he then picks himself up out of the dirt and heads back home, and that's where his father, at that point, meets him while he's running down the road and greets him. And he says, kill the fatted calf. Put the ring on his finger, for my son has come home. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. It took the boy having to fall all the way down to the dirt before he realized he needed something more than where I'm at. Now I want to preach to you today. Listen to me very carefully. It takes two to speak the truth. It takes one to speak and another to hear. Truth cannot be revealed unless it is heard. What good would it be for me to stand up here if you weren't here today? And preach the truth. So what good is the truth if it's not heard? And what good are words if there is no one to listen? There, there is a theory, and they say it's true, of this idea that it's called lonely madness. No one to talk to. And there was a, a film and a, a movie of Tom Hanks who was on an airplane. And while he's on this airplane, it's a cargo plane, and they had engine failure, and the plane crashes. And Tom Hanks is now stranded on this island, and he's lonely until literally... He is almost going mad in his own mind. But then he sees this little ball of volleyball floating on the water. He goes and grabs this ball, and he begins to talk to this ball and said, Wilson, Wilson, and he began to talk to this ball because he didn't have anyone to talk to. And he realized that this ball, if I could talk to it, I, he knew it couldn't listen. But in his mind, it could hear every word he was saying. And he's stranded on this island until he is almost going mad. But he then keeps his sanity simply because he was willing to talk to a ball that he thought was listening. It's known that people that are stranded in the, in the forest have talked to trees and even talked to rocks. And I've been around a few that talked to their little invisible person and friend uh, just so they don't go crazy. And even there are people that are in a crowd and it creates the feeling that there, there's no one that cares and there's no one to listen to me. And this is what's driving our generation into a social media frenzy. Until people, they can't put down their phones because they're trying to find someone to talk 
someone to talk to, and someone who will listen to them. Texting all the time. I hate it when I see someone with their phone way up in the air, and, and I'm driving by, and I'm wondering why they're doing 30 in a 55-mile-an-hour zone. And I'm like, what is this person doing? Why did they get out of the way? Because I'm trying to get to where I need to go. It's 30 to 40 minutes from my house to the church, and don't they know I'm the pastor, and somebody needs to get out of the way? Until their phone has become their drug. Many of you won't do crack you won't do cocaine, you won't smoke weed, you probably won't drink, you won't smoke a pack of Marlboros, but many of you, hear me now, we have our addictions. Texting, Facebook, looking for someone to listen to what you're posting. Instagram, emails, oh, let me go where you live and going even to dating sites. To try to find a Jack who will meet Jill. And so here we are, living in a Z generation and millennials that have a hearing problem because all they're interested is in media. They define their morality based on movies they watch, games they play, and you can't email or hardly get those kids out of their room to come and sit at the dinner table with the family. Amen. And the reason they can is because they can't hear you. Amen. Because they are so preoccupied by things that only are in the media. So then in turn, the reality is, the reality, the reality is they're not living in reality. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach to you. Hear me now. It's not their fault. It's the generation before them that didn't speak into their lives. In Romans 10, 17, it says, So faith cometh by what? Hearing. And hearing by the what? Word of God. This is why I am preaching so that you might hear the words of your pastor. To tell you that we're living in a day when we need to speak out. And let the world know that Jesus Christ is still alive. That God is still on the throne. And that the church is doing well. And that we are going to be a mouthpiece of this great truth to a world that needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because hearing is, a vit is vital to truth being revealed. Hearing is vital to truth changing our lives. Truth cannot be revealed until it takes on the form of hearing. You've got to hear this first. You've got to hear this first. You've got to hear this first. Don't cut me off today. Just don't cut this word off today. Don't cut Christ off today. Hear what I'm preaching to you because I'm going to get to where you live, where you understand that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but that's, that, that, there, that in thereof is destruction and total turmoil. Truth cannot be revealed until it takes on the form of listening. Now, here it is, and I'm going to get in a little pastoral mode. How, how can we expect our kids and the next generation to listen when we don't listen? How can we expect our kids to change when we don't change? How can we expect our children and the next generation to be a believer, but we don't believe? We tell them what we want them to hear, but they're hearing something completely different from the pulpits and the podiums of preachers and evangelists that are trying to get the world to understand that the Word of God is still true, the Word of God is still right, and He is seeking, God is seeking for those that will trust in Him no matter where we are in our lives. 
So how can we expect our kids, the next generation, to listen when we don't listen? How can we expect them to commit if we're not committed? How can we expect them to support if we don't support? How can we expect them to entertain the things of God if we're not willing to entertain the things of God? And how can we expect them to be responsible to what is being preached if we're not responsible to what is being the greatest damage you can do is when you go to a church that you don't believe in what the preacher's saying and your kids know it. When they can't believe in that pastor, you need to find yourself a church that you can trust the pastor with the word of God that when he speaks, he speaks right into your spirit and into your life. And that it's not just something you hear on a Sunday, but you live it on a Monday and you show it uh, to your children on a Tuesday. And when you get back on church on Wednesday, they can see that you haven't created a discrepancy in what you believe. I believe it's time for the church to get some conviction and start living for God in a manner in which we have never done before so that the world can hear the Christ in us. why it says in Luke eleven twenty seven, 27 and it came to pass as he spake these things a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto Jesus blessed is the womb that bare thee and the paps that gave Thou, the paps which thou hast sucked. What she was doing is she, she was worshiping the mother of Jesus instead of Jesus himself. So the woman was worshiping the mother of Jesus. Then Jesus says in the next verse, but he said, Yea, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Don't worship my mama. Worship the word because the word will save you. My mama can't save you. The word will save you. Mary can't save you. If you want it, you got to hear it. And if you hear it, it's going to bring faith. And if it brings faith, it will bring you salvation. He was saying, don't pray to my mama. She isn't the one who has come to speak life to you. She's not the one that will die for you. My mother Mary is not a viable source of truth for salvation for you. She doesn't understand what I must do to save you. She couldn't understand why he had to die. Because mama don't qualify. The ministry of Jesus Christ. She was a carrier through divine conception, but she was not the one that would save you and I from our sins. He says, yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Hear the truth. Hear the truth. And keep it on Monday. Keep it on Tuesday. Keep it on Wednesday. Keep it on Thursday. Keep it on Friday. Keep it on Saturday. And show back up and still have it. He's trying to get us to understand you got to keep it. You can't pray through just every service. Ah, you ought to be able to have a prayer meeting at your home. You ought to be able to have a time of shouting before the Lord, even throughout the week. Amen. When you get in your car. Amen. There's been times people probably wondering what in the world's going on with me. And I'm listening to Christian radio, and I'm thinking, oh, man, this is good stuff. They think I'm probably listening to ZZ Top or something, but I'm not. I'm listening to Christian God, you're good. And if the world could act that crazy about their music, what's wrong with us acting that crazy about ours? Amen. They need to know that we have a voice that needs to be heard, that the Christians and the people are a movement that is preaching and reaching to our world. Yeah. 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 Oh. Someone say hallelujah. 
So he was saying to this woman, don't worship her. Worship truth. Worship truth. Some of you are saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a discrepancy no, there. No, there isn't. That's why in John 14, 6 it says, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth. Worship truth. I am the way. Can you all see that very well? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Worship truth. Worship truth. I want to show you something here. Give me the next picture. That's a carrot with a wedding band on a carrot. That's interesting, isn't it? But when Mary Graham's 84 years old lost her engagement ring, she was digging in the soil while she's pulling weeds, and her wedding ring came off of her finger. She thought to herself, I'm never going to see it again. She was so embarrassed about it that she never said anything to anyone except for her son. She didn't even tell her husband. And I believe it was five years prior to this, because it was 13 years later, the long-lost diamond ring returned, wrapped around a carrot that was on her farm. It had been sitting in the soil for 13 years waiting for the opportunity to be revealed. And that ring was just waiting for something to grow inside of it. That ring was sitting in the dirt. Are you getting my message now? In the dirt. In the dirt. Lost in the dirt. Waiting for a seed. That would break. You got to get what I'm preaching. That's why Jesus said, Brother Corey, that unless the grain of wheat fall to the earth and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it's going to bring life. It's going to bring life. It's going to bring life. That's why Jesus was broken. Why? Because we're just sitting in the dirt. Waiting. For something to grow in us. What good is hearing if it doesn't get to a place where it's planted and something starts growing in us? Thirteen years later, she found the ring. The ring could not be found until the carrot was growing inside of her. And you cannot be found until you realize that Jesus, Jesus must not just be a Christ on the outside of you, but he's got to be on the inside of you. There can be carrot experiences all around you, but it takes that one little seed that germinates and crawls right up into your spirit. And now Christ is saying, now that I am in you, now that I am in you, now that I am in you, I shall bring redemption in your life and salvation. That's why, again, he says in Luke eleven twenty eight, don't worship my mama. Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God. Keep it. Truth can exist all around you. Carrots can be all around you. You you can see people being prayed for and healing going on over here. And you can be in a field of carrots everywhere. But none of those matter to you if you're still lost in the dirt. Hear these words. Blessed are they that hear the word. John 1.1 1, 1 says this, 
You get what I'm saying? I want, I want you to get the understanding of what's got to be inside of you. It says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. And with God. And the Word was God. Then it says in the second verse, the same was in the beginning with God. Third verse. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And life was the light of men. In him was life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The word is out there. God is out in the universe. There's no place that can contain him. God is out there. Truth. Is being preached every single day. But the question is not whether it's available. The question is, is it growing inside of you? Because that's why it says in John 1.14, And the Word became, what? Flesh. Jesus Christ was the Word of God. So when God came down, He robed Himself in flesh. God is still, even after the cross now, we see God is still robing himself in flesh. Are you getting what I'm preaching? Come on, Renee. Where's your beautiful wife at? Well, bring her up here and tell her, come on, obey your husband. We're both going to be in trouble here in a minute. But I, I don't have to go home with her. Look at this. Look at this. Isn't this a lovely couple here? Beautiful as can be. Let me just say this. What God has done, he has robed himself in that flesh. The world will not see Jesus until he can robe himself in flesh. Come on. Robe himself in flesh. Come on. Hear what I'm saying. Robe himself in flesh. He's waiting. He's robing himself in flesh. Why am I saying this? Because the carrot is not going to do you any good as long as it's just everywhere. But I am preaching to you today. Don't just hear these words. Let the seed be in you. Let the word be in you. Let it be robed in you. Just as God came down from glory, robed himself in flesh, and dwelt among us. And we've seen the glory of the Lord. And that glory went to the cross. He now says, now you can see my glory. 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 Now you can see me. Because the only way the world will see Jesus is through his body. Which is the church. Amen. Renee and Adriana are a great example of word being made flesh. God put himself in flesh when he came to earth. After the crucifixion, he's still putting himself in flesh. Oh, he's still putting himself in flesh. Amen. This is not an experience that you have with the music. This is not an experience that you're having with your pastor. This is not an experience that you have just because we have a coffee shop and a lot of social interaction. This is not, this is not for you just to show up and say, they got it, they got it. Boy, these people got something here. The Lord said, whoa, 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 slow your road, bro. Why don't you get it for yourself? Amen. Quit just coming to church. Why don't you become part of the church? Don't just attend church, but be the church. <laughs> That's why we sing this song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but... Now I am found, I am found, I am found, I am found, I am found. Was blind, but now I see. Come on now. Well, it's amazing grace. Well, it's amazing grace. 
Oh, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind. I was blind. I was blind, but I got Christ in me now. I've got something worth living for. Amen. I got a reason to listen. Come on, let's stand to our feet quick and give our hands to the Lord. Come on, stand, stand, and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Ah, you may be seated, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch. I'm in the dirt, but he saved me. I was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. Why? Because Christ is growing inside of me. I have value. And the carrot says, let me just reveal it when I put myself in you. Are y'all still with me? Sister Williams, your back must be really hurting. Because I was expecting you to be dusting my my feet here today. Eyes close. <laughs> Some of you don't know what that is. That's just that's kind of the old time Pentecost. Sister Williams comes out with her hanky. Man, I know I'm doing something right. When she just sits there, I preach harder and harder and harder. And I'm like, what's going on? Why why not Mama Williams not coming out and helping us out here? This old boy, he's trying to, he's trying to please mama. And then I hear the Lord say, Mama can't save you. Mary can't save you. Romans 1.5 says this, By whom we have received grace and apostleship. For obedience, for obedience to the faith among all nations. Why? For his name. Obedience. Your obedience is not only a sign that Jesus Christ can be in you, but your obedience is saying to the millennials and the Z generation that there's more to your life than just media, phones, Instagram, and Facebook. We need to let the world see the Christ in us. I'm going to say this very plain. We need to quit walking out the door and going home and minding our own business. But we need to show the world that we truly love God. And that church is not a byproduct. But church is the product. That's why it says in the next verse, Romans 1, 6, Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. I want you to get this because some people come to me and say, Pastor, I want to be used. Okay? And then when I don't put them in position, they come back and say, Pastor, I want to be used. Okay? Two months later, Pastor, I'm getting discouraged because you're not using me. Oh, who are you called by? 
Are you qualifying your calling by this church? Or are you qualified according to this scripture? Among whom ye are ye also the called are the called of Jesus Christ. I'm gonna tell you the calling of Jesus Christ is much greater than just the church assembly. Because if it's not in you, it will never reveal to you the true purpose and divine purpose of God in your life, and the value will never come out of the dirt until you realize that it's not the church that gives you your calling. It's not the pastor who qualifies your calling. Jesus Christ grows into us, and that in itself is your calling. Why are you not giving Bible studies to your friends? Why are you not having prayer circles made in your home with your family? Am I talking to anybody? Why is it that we think that it's up to the church to do it when the church is the body of Christ? And if Christ be in you, that is your calling. Let the world hear you. Talk to people. Let them know you love God. Tell them about your church if you want them to come to church. Jesus gives us all kinds of scriptures, and I'm about ready to conclude, but he says this in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Take my yoke upon you. You know, the way they would yoke an oxen would put it over their shoulders. And they'd pull through the dirt. The oxen would pull, would pull, would pull, would pull. Why? Because that pulling brought about the moving of the dirt to reveal what can be grown in the soil. That ring could have never have been revealed until it was yoked upon the shoulders of that carrot. And as the carrot pulled and pushed and drove itself up out of the soil, it revealed the value of what was stuck in the dirt. He says, take my yoke upon your shoulders and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls. The word yoke simply means to put me on your shoulders. And if the field is going to be worked it has to be placed on the physical form of your shoulders and the ring is revealed simply because you're willing to put his yoke upon your life. And when he said, keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it, he's simply saying, learn, learn in this passage, learn of me, study, absorb, understand, know why this burden is upon you. Know why you was in the dirt for so long so that now you have a testimony. Now understand it. Know why it's on you. It's, it's food. It's food not only for you, but it's a carrot for others. It's something that they can also have to sustain their lives and, and bring sustenance to them. But learn of me. Learn of me. As we stand... All of us, when we were born, we were lost. Talked about it this morning in our first class, the morning class. I said that we are all born in sin and we're all shaped in iniquity. Notice it doesn't say we're all born sinners. It says we are born in sin. 
what that means is sin is all around us, all around us, all around us. And as a child, you don't have to teach a child to be sinful. It's their nature. And I've used this little example. I, I never had to tell, tell Raina to go slap her brother because uh, he's being so perfect. But it seems like even with my grandchildren, you're always saying, leave him alone. Stop it. Don't do that or I'm going to spank you. Quit it. And it's like, man, that seems like I never say anything nice. I start feeling bad because everything I say is like, put that down. Don't go in there. No, stay off the couch. Your hands are dirty. Get out of the bedroom. Get out of the bathroom. Dad's in here. <laughs> Leave me alone. I like father like son. And it just seems like you're always saying, stop, 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 stop. Leave it alone, leave it alone, leave it alone, leave it alone. Don't, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And we're all born in that nature. Nobody has to teach you to do wrong. Just leave right alone and you'll do wrong. And so sometimes even in a pastor, I'm getting up here and I'm like, Man, it seems like I'm always saying, don't do this and don't do that. Don't go there. Don't, don't live this way. No, listen to me. I'm telling you, I'm trying to. And then all the while, God is, is kicking me on the backside saying, Pastor, you need to do this. You need to do that. And I'm like, okay, Father. But it's the pains. It's, it's, it's the growing pains. It's, it's learning. It's, it's someone that cares about you enough to tell you that, that it's time for you to realize that, that, that it's, it's Christ that is wanting to grow in you even though it hurts to do so. It's driving you and push, pushing you and you're yoked up to this and you're sweating and, and your legs are hurting and you're aching. And you're saying, man, I can't, I can't go any further. Hey, don't quit now. Because he that waiteth on the Lord shall renew their strength. What does that wait mean? It means as a waiter, not just sitting around waiting, but as a waiter. Here I am again, Lord. I'm waiting on you. I'm praising you. I'm loving you. I'm worshiping you. I'm giving myself the truth again. I'm not going to just do this on Sunday, but I'm going to do this on Monday. I'm going to do it throughout the week. God, I am not going to quit now. It doesn't matter what I understand or what I don't understand. I'm still going to live for you. I'm going to put my faith in you, and I'm going to trust you. Amen. And I'm going to keep on doing the things that I know the Word declares I should do. Amen. Prodigal son comes home. And on his way home, his father sees him in the distance. All of a sudden, his father goes running to him throws his arms around his son and says, my son, my son is home. Kill the fatted calf. Put the ring on his finger. That was how it was found. How? Father says, he came out of the dirt. Now we can find the ring and put it back where it belongs. And yet, and yet, his brother, who never left the house, looked over and says, Dad, Dad, how could you do that? You should have kicked him when he's down, slapped him upside the head. You should have rejected him and says he no longer belongs to the church. And he shouldn't have any right to come back home. He's gone too far. No, thank God he saw his father first. Thank God he didn't see his brother or his sister first. Thank God. Yeah, because his father embraced him. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what your brother says. It doesn't matter what your sister says. You're not here to please them. Don't worry about it. He'll take care. The father will take care of the son. The father will take care of the sister. Don't be offended. You just live for God because you are coming home. And he says, now, now, that which is in you shall reveal how valuable you really are. Lost in the dirt. You it's not anything different than everybody else that has to learn 
to trust in God so he can grow in us. So we can be grown into and out of the dirt. If you feel comfortable today, you're welcome to come down to this altar. If not, just make that altar where you're at. Say, Lord, I want you in me. I want you in me. I want you in me. Hallelujah. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. The Love. 
Praise the Lord, church. Hallelujah. We have some baptisms today, and uh, our first, all right. Our first baptism here is Brother Shane Russell. Brother Shane has been coming to the church for several months now, and uh, I've grown close to him. We spend a lot of time together hiking, and he uh, asked me to baptize him, and it's a privilege to baptize him. He went through our uh, first step class, and he I even talked to him again today. He seriously understands why he needed to be baptized in Jesus' name, and we're going to do that today. Hallelujah. Praise God. So I'm going to give you the mic. Brother Shane, you're making the greatest decision that you've ever made in your life, and uh, uh, I want you to just put one hand to your nose and, uh, and grab the other hand. You don't have to hold it here. But uh, Brother Shane, on the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ and according to the Word of God, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Hallelujah. We've got two more that's going to be baptized here in just a moment, so stick around. This is what it's all about right here. Amen. We want that seed in us. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus.
This is, this is awesome. Brittany's going to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ here today. And uh, it was my understanding that Raina had invited them to church. And these are friends to Raina. And she has consented to be baptized. And I, I was a little humored because she said she wanted me to do it. <laughs> but, but before I baptize her, I, I, have to, I have to say something that I think everybody needs to hear. That we believe baptism is important to salvation. And the reason we believe that it's important is because it identifies with the burial of Jesus Christ. So when Jesus died on the cross, that's repentance. That's saying, God, forgive me of my sins. And that's when our sins are crucified with Christ. God, forgive me of my sins. I'm putting them on the cross, and they're being crucified with you. That's the first step of salvation. The second step is he was buried in the tomb. And now Brittany is being identified with the burial of Jesus Christ. Someone said that I don't, they don't believe that baptism is important, but Jesus said to John the Baptist, baptize me. And John says, oh, I, I can't do that. And Jesus said to John, he said, John, unless you baptize me, we cannot feel, fulfill all righteousness. Jesus even made it very clear that baptism was a part of the plan of his salvation. So today we're going to baptize Brittany in the name of Jesus Christ. And what I'm going to ask you to do, Brittany, is that when you come up, just lift your hands and just thank the Lord for what's happening. Because this is your moment. And we're all here to stay all afternoon if you want us to. Uh, because this is an exciting moment. This is a defining moment. This is a moment where the seed is going to grow up into a carrot <laughs> and become something great in your life. I'm proud of you. I'm very proud of you. Brittany, upon the confession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Cassie, 
has decided to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Isn't this exciting, church? Come on, isn't this exciting? Amen. Cassie, upon the confession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins.